0: Well, before we get the show started, Horse Radio Network for the first time has a wide selection of Horse Radio Network merchandise available for the holidays. Hats, saddle pads, masks, clothing, mugs, and so much more, either screen printed or embroidered. Get your orders in now for you or your HRN listening friends. Visit horseradionetwork.com and click on the banner on the home page today. Happy holidays, everybody. I am
3: Coach Jen in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Mary Kitzmiller from Kemp, Texas, and
4: you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for December 10th, episode 2577. Today's show is brought to you by Horseware. Good morning, Horse World.
3: What is your favorite day of the week?
4: You never stop learning, you never stop understanding. It's more in depth than just riding a horse knowing that for the rest of my life, I could work on this and, and I'll never stop learning.
3: Mary Yay. Welcome Yay. back. How's Mary? I'm glad to be back. Mary is here the second Thursday of every month. And, um, Mary being the professional podcaster that she is, um, is working out the details of her new podcasting studio in the new cabin in the woods. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. So exciting. So, it's, it's so sound, it sounds like you're moving some things around. Just a little bit. Yeah. So
4: you're I've, all settled I've, in uh, now. I'll in. Um I do have a cat in the background that's probably going to be making some noise, but it's better that I let him out rather than lock him up, or you'll hear yowling the whole hour. Yes, there's um, different
3: kinds of cat noises, and some are less appealing than others.
4: Yeah, so better him playing with whatever he's found. He's out of my uh, eyesight. I can't see him. He's playing with something. Hopefully it's not harmful. Um, <laughs> but if I lock him up... Um, he he just screams on yeah.
3: for hours. So it will, it will be bad. Yeah.
4: <laughs> so Still ironing out the kinks.
3: Iron out the kinks, that's right. Because when you podcast and you're a horse person, you, you kind of do it on the fly because that's the way horse people operate.
4: Yeah, I've uh I've done it uh, I've had my studio in my truck, um, on the road and in uh my country ranch without any internet
3: so it's been very interesting it's not always conducive to new technology not always but the new cabin in the woods does have much much better internet so as we work out the kinks of your operations because right now mary's mary's uh mary's microphone kicked the bucket So she's using a a backup system right now. So apologies in advance for slightly off kilter sound, but the sound quality might not be the best, but the content is going to be just fabulous. Awesome. 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 (laughs) (laughs) And we always, we start out every show on the second Thursday of every month. Mary Kitzmiller dazzles us with a training tip. So I would like you to tell us what our training tip is and if possible, what the inspiration was, because that's half the fun.
4: Yeah. So, and I think a, a few of the listener questions kind of lined up with this, and that's that's usually what inspires the tip. Is I'll get kind of a, a common thread amongst the questions. Um, so, and I've talked about this a lot before. I don't think I've ever done a specific training tip about it, and it is training stationary behaviors in your horse. Um, so, what do I mean by stationary behaviors? Um, things like teaching your horse to stand tied patiently. Um, teaching him to stand for the mountain block, um, to stand still and quiet while you're grooming. Um, and one of my favorite things to teach, it wasn't always so, but um, teaching a horse to ground tie. So I don't know if that is specifically a Western term. I saw someone in a question use the term park, which to me, park means a different thing than yeah, I think was in the question. Because I, yeah. I used to show Morgan. So park, was, different. Me, yeah. was like park out. So the horse would stretch their front legs and back legs. And it was a way to kind of show off how elegant they were. Um, but I think they meant like literally park your horse to stay still. Uh, so ground tie is basically that you're not tying them to the ground. You, uh, ask your horse to stand and he has no restraint. Some people will put a rein on the ground as a signal to the horse. Like you are standing still now. um, I I have a little cue. I give my horse, I've run my hand down his forehead and I say, whoa, and I do that. Like if I was getting ready to get on my horse and I realized, oh, I forgot my cell phone. It's over in the corner of the arena or, oh, I need to put on my helmet. It's, you know, hanging up. Um, and I don't want to lead my horse all the way back over there. I, uh, give him the cue. I run my hand down his forehead and I say, "Whoa!" and I go get the thing that I forgot and he should still be there when I come back. So (laughs) it's obviously, um, yeah, it's a good practical behavior to teach for convenience like that, where you can just, um, have your horse stay and not run off just because you need to go pick up something, uh, in the arena or grab something you forgot. Um, But it is also really good for your horse's mind, uh, as with all stationary behaviors. And I've said this before, we don't work on this enough. And this is coming from someone who never used to work on these kinds of things because it's boring. It's not as cool as jumping or lead changes
3: and all of that. Um, Yeah. Most of your friends are not going to be impressed with, look, I got my horse to stand still. (laughs) You're not going to post the video on Facebook or Instagram or anything.
4: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, So, and I have gone from virtually never working on it ever to like getting really hyper-focused on it. Um, And so what I started doing um, is years ago, uh, when I was really getting into positive reinforcement training, clicker training, I started getting asked to do demos on what I had done with my horse because people were really interested. At the time, you know, Uh, there are just a handful of equine clicker trainers out there. And for a lot of people in my kind of industry, my little corner of the industry, they had never seen it with horses. So I was getting asked to do demos and stuff. And I was training my four sixes horse Guthrie and he had all these cool behaviors we had taught. Um, but what I noticed, uh, was that the first few demos I did, um, when I was doing a demo, I was usually by myself, so I didn't have an assistant to hand me things um, or someone to hold my horse if I needed to go set something up, and there was usually not a really safe place to tie my horse up. Either the, the corral we were in was, you know, kind of like temporary fencing that wasn't really sturdy, or there was just crowds of people. There was just not a great place to tie that I felt okay leaving my horse there. Um, so when I would have to have him just stand still while I went to grab something, he didn't really have a good ground tie and he would just be really playful and he would pick things up off the ground or follow me around and kind of get in my pocket. And when you're trying to show like how great your trading is or how great this trading is technique you're using is and your horse is being just a little bit silly it doesn't look great and it showed (laughs) me the need like okay i have to teach this behavior i need to teach him you know it's cool he can do liberty and he can pick up toys and hand them to me and he can lay down but i need him just to stand still sometimes while i'm either answering a question or i need to go grab something some tool he needs to stand um so what I did with Guthrie was I actually used a rubber mat. It was just a square piece of cutout stall mat. So it was nice and heavy. Um, and I taught him to put his feet on it and to station there, to stand on it. And that was a good visual target for him. Like, oh, when I'm here, I ought to stay here. Well, it was really easy to teach him to put his feet on it. And he'd get the click and the treat. And, but I needed him to stay there for you know maybe i'm I, I like to wax on philosophically for a long time sometimes, <laughs> and I needed him to stand while I was doing that and answering questions and explaining things. so what I started doing was kind of mimicking what I would have happen in the demo is I'd put his feet on the mat and I would tell him, "Whoa." so I would see, can I like walk around while you stand here and not move um?" And, you know, you stand and wait for the next thing. So at first I just picked a number. I said, I'm going to walk five steps. If I can walk five steps and you don't get off of the mat, I'm going to click and treat. And I could get about five. Five was like the limit. After five, he was just understimulated. He wanted the next thing to do. He wanted to know why he wasn't getting cookies immediately. So he would leave the mat um, or come toward me. Um, so I, instead of trying to then get him to stand for several minutes, I said, okay, I know you can do five steps. If you can do five steps, I know you could do six. So I'd set it up again. He's on the mat. I tell him, well, and then I count my steps. One, two, three, four, five, six, click, treat. And then, then the rule was, well, now that you've done six, you're going to, you're not going to hear click and treat until I make it to seven. So I would do this and just add one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. And my rules were, you want to be really clear about what you will and won't allow. So my rules were, if he took a foot off the mat, but he put it right back on, that's fine. I won't, I won't ding you for that. Uh, this was in the summer I was working on this and he has a lot of fly allergies. So, you know, if he needs to reach around and scratch, you know, scratch a, you know, a fly or whatever, um, he doesn't have to be a statue. Um, that is something I will allow. Uh, so things like that, he could, he could place his feet in different spots of the mat. It's a really small area. So like if he picked up his foot and put it down, fine, um, so I'm not going to be that strict and make him be perfectly statue still. Uh, but if he left the mat or took a foot off the mat and did not correct himself, what I would then do is I would walk up to him. He didn't get punished. I just put him right back on the mat and I would say, whoa, he would not get a click for, for me correcting him. So I'd put him right back on and I'd say, okay, I was counting to seven. Now I have to count to seven and start over. So if I made it like if our goal was to get to seven steps, And I made it to step number six, and he left. I would have to put him back on the mat, tell him whoa again, and I'd have to start the count over. So, we might be working on trying to get to seven steps many times um, before he would get the click and treat. And each, and I didn't do this all in one day. I thought, you know, okay, today, let's see if we can get to seven or eight steps. And then I would go work on something else or quit the lesson and put him away. Um so I just worked on this over many many days and I I think the last time I really worked on it with him I got up to 186 steps. I can't um, count that high. I get bored and lose uh, track. Oh you know, right. Wow, yeah. I'm impressed. Uh, with the, with the eventual goal of getting to 300 and the number 300 is a number I borrowed from another clicker trainer who uses a similar type of method for teaching duration and behaviors. And 300 is the thing she's, and there's a whole backstory on why 300, but 300 was kind of like my mental goal. I made it to 186. Um, and that's like, you know, a long time of standing still and 300 is like several minutes. So if you think, man, if my horse can stand still for several minutes, um, he's got it. Like he's got this behavior down and, uh, because you're only increasing the duration that you want him to do it, you know, one step at a time, it's little bite size, uh, chunks of behavior you're building. It's it's good for keeping them from getting too frustrated or from getting confused or from completely losing interest. And um, it's something, you know, you can work on it five minutes a day and it adds up over time. And what the really interesting thing about this is, was in the beginning, Guthrie had major ADHD. He knew I had cookies. He wanted the cookies. He thought he should get the cookies after three seconds of doing something. Um, so he was real, like kind of ants in the pants. He would stand there and be good cause he knew that was his job, but I could see it in his face. Like he just wanted to be done so he could get the cookie. But then after a while there was a huge change. He started like loving the mat. That was his happy zone. He sometimes, if I have the mat in the arena and I'm doing Liberty with him and I'm not really clear on what I'm asking, he will leave me, the person who has the cookies on my person, And go to the mat because he loves the mat. And the reason he loves it, uh, especially using positive uh, reinforcement, is because I've never punished him for not doing it. He only gets rewarded or not rewarded. You know, that's pretty much it. And so there's no bad connotation that he connects with it. He only connects it with like warm, fuzzy cookies. And, you know, when I do this, everything's great. And so he got to where he would just do it to put up with me to get the cookie to, oh, my God, I love this mat. I'm I will And and I've seen him go stand on it when I'm not there, if he's loose in the arena. So, like, it, it was really kind of interesting how a behavior that at first – he was really young when I started this. So he's kind of this young, antsy ranch cult. He, he went from, oh, fine, I'll just do it, to, oh, my gosh, standing still is one of my favorite things to do in the whole world. And if you can get your horse in that type of a zone, then when you're in more stressful situations and you tell your horse, hey, guess what, let's do our standstill behavior right now, they're like, oh, my God, thank God, yay. Rather than what happens to us so often is we need our horse to stand still or stand tied and they're antsy and now we're at a really stressful situation so it's really hard to get them to come down and relax yeah so working on this kind of stuff at home can save your butt when you're out you know doing things with your horse
3: pretty darn cool and it's, it's such a useful skill um whether you use a target or not it can apply in so many spots so a great tip and speaking of antsy everybody's getting a little bit antsy because it's the holiday season and they want to go shopping for holiday things. Well, guess what? Horseware, you know them, the folks who make the really wonderful Rambo and Amigo rugs. Well, they have their 12 days of holiday deals going on right now. So if you go over to horseware.com and click on the big red banner, you're going to find some pretty cool stuff right now. They've got a crew neck base layer on sale regularly, 30 bucks, 1495. And it's chilly everywhere. Even Florida right now, just, putting that out there. They have uh, Amigo Hero turnout rugs on sale, a whole bunch of other stuff. So go over to horsewear.com, click on the 12 days of holiday deals and click on on there and see what's going on because it's going to change every day because hello, it's 12 days. So thank you very much to Horseware for helping to bring this show to you every month because if it weren't for Horsewear and the other sponsors, we wouldn't be here. Dun, dun, dun. So, Ansi again, We put out the call for listener questions, and we've got time for one listener question before we go to our holiday radiothon segment. So what's it going to be?
4: I'm going to go with Karina Marote's question about deworming. So, yeah. So it's a little uh, off what we were going Uh, On about earlier, but I don't know. It it,
3: it could relate because, hello, they have to kind of stand still for a little bit while you deworm, right?
4: Yeah, patience and putting up with stuff, putting up with all the weird things we do to them. So her question is, what are some tips on giving my two-year-old Mustang deworming paste? He's very suspicious of the tube near his face. I can stroke his neck with it in my hand, but I can feel him tensing as I get closer to his face, um, which is typical of many horses. Uh, so there are two ways to go at this. There's the slow way and the fast way, and both have their practical use. So the slow way, is, and you've already got a great head start on it of you know having the tube in your hand and your him all over with it. Um, this is something you can practice when you don't need to deworm him, so that when it is time to deworm, it's not such a big novel, suspicious concept for him. Um, so, you know, you can get a, a, a tube of dewormer or an empty tube that you've already used and put it in your hand and rub him all over and use a little bit of reproach and retreat. So if you can rub him like say at the base of his neck and he's fine. Start there, and then when you feel him tensing, as you move the dewormer up uh, up his neck and you feel him start to tense, hang out at that kind of red zone for a little bit. Don't go any further, but just hang out there until you feel him kind of let up and relax, and then retreat back down to the spot where you started, where he felt uh, more comfortable. And you could do that until you're all the way up to his face rub it all around his face. You can also do things like just sticking your finger in his lips like you're getting ready to, but not actually deworming him. The other thing you can do is you could take that empty syringe and fill it with something delicious like molasses or honey or, or um, something that is, is going to taste really good that your horse is going to like. And And may, may I insert
3: in here because we've fallen into this trap before test and find things that he loves Without using the syringe, because a lot of people, because a common common, oh, put applesauce in there. Well, not all horses like applesauce. So find yeah. things that will come out of that tube easily and test them by just putting them in a bucket or your some putting them somewhere he, where he is comfortable eating them and do that first and make sure he really loves it before you put it into the because I discovered that Nigel doesn't really like applesauce. I yeah, my
4: horses don't like apples and carrots, which is just yeah. weird. But he, yes. Yeah, he he,
3: th- he loves it when I put um molasses in there. He's great mm-hmm. with molasses. Yeah. I and you believe it or not, you can buy El Cheapo off the shelf house brand um pancake syrup, which is basically just carrow yep. syrup and dye.
4: And do a little research, make sure it's safe. Um oh. I think most of those things are pretty
3: benign. Yeah. Um, you know. But test them. But yeah. yeah. Baby food, carrot baby food works for some horses who love carrots. Um, Some horses like like banana baby food. So get a bunch of stuff out and, you know, do a little testing and video it and put it up on the Horses in the Morning Facebook page.
5: Oh, that
4: would be cool. Great science experiment. (laughs) Um,
3: So continue.
4: I'm sorry. Yeah. And so you can start giving him those delicious deworming tubes. And then when you do go to deworm, hopefully he's much more manageable. And the trick here is when it's time to deworm him, have the tube of actual dewormer and then have the tube full of yummy stuff. So I would deworm him first with the, you know, do, do your whole process that you've been doing, deworm him with the dewormer and then deworm him or did put the yummy stuff uh, syringe in his mouth. So that way, he kind of ends it on a good note and he just thinks, "Ah, oh, you, you must've given me one that was out of expiration date. That was a weird taste, but this one's good. <laughs> so it's not quite, they, they kind of gloss, they forget that there was one that didn't taste quite right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so that's the slow way. This is going to take some time, some practice outside of when you actually want to deworm your horse, um, I learned the fast way when I was in a barn full of raining horses. that we had like, I don't know, a hundred to do that day. And there was uh, a girl on staff with me. We were going through and deworming. And I'm doing all this desensitizing and approaching and retreat, which is all well and good. But when you have a hundred horses to do, you don't really have the time. And this gal who was with me on staff had worked in a sale barn uh, where I guess they had to do this quite a bit, give their horses things and syringes. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I think dewormer, I'm not sure, but, but she'd worked in a barn where this, like it's strange horses and they all had to have this stuff. And um, she would just um, kind of hold the horse, by the side of his halter and if you can stick your finger in the corner of their mouth, not in between your teeth, like up alongside their teeth, if you can hook your finger in there, I've found that no matter what a horse does almost every time if I can get my finger in there and keep it there I can get the dewormer in there and so it's kind of a really it's not the best way but it is a quick hey I have to get this in you now let's say it's a horse that's colicky and you want to get banamine paste in them and you don't have time um I've I've gotten really good at I just took my pointing finger in the corner of his mouth pull the corner out and I can just go right in with the dewormer and y- you've It takes a little practice to get efficient at it, but it is a way like, I don't have time to do the whole thing. This horse needs this medication or whatever immediately, and we've just got to get it done with as little fuss as possible. So that's the quick way.
3: There you go. Something that I've found helped a little bit too is different wormers do taste different. And some worming, some dewormers come with flavorings, and there's a couple of them out there that are labeled as apple flavored. Yeah, I don't remember the brand offhand, but that did make a difference to some of the horses I've warmed over the years. If you get the apple flavored one, I don't know if they are apple flavored or not, because I taste a lot of things my horses get, but I have not tasted their warmer. They are certainly apple scented. And I think that might be what is doing the job is that is a very, very strong apple scent. So um That might be something that you could clue into, too. If the particular active ingredient that you are using is available in a flavored version, might not be a bad idea to try that.
4: And most of the time, ivermectin is the one that you can find in the different flavors. I'm not sure I found it in other active ingredients, but...
3: Is it fenbendazole? There's two, because uh, yeah. I, I, I've used they the start, apple flavor of, of the and there's brands. another chemical that is available in a, in an apple, too that I've tried, and it was one of the really offensive stinky yellow ones, so check that out Ooh. in your in your shopping, because, uh, you know, why not uh, stack the deck on your side, right? Make life easier. Make life easier. Great stuff, and because it's the holiday season, we've been taking bits and pieces of the past five years' worth of radiothons and, and inserting them into the show's the past couple of weeks, just because we need a little holiday cheer. It's 2020 people. So we're going to sit back and enjoy this. This is actually a interview that you and Tara Carter did in, I don't remember what year it was. It might've been 2015, but with Riata Brannaman, Buck's daughter. I think it was like 2017 maybe. Was it? Yeah. And it was a fun interview. So we're going to sit back and listen to that. And then we're going to hear a little bit from, one of uh, our other sponsors. And then when we come come back, we're going to chat with listener Kristen about her problem. So sit back, enjoy.
1: So we'd love to welcome Riata Braneman to the show. Riata's made a name for herself as a horsewoman and a businesswoman. I mean, to add to the list of things that she does, and I know a lot of you guys are excited to hear from her, and you probably know the many hats that she wears, and she wears them well, but I think it's worth mentioning that, you know, she's a cold starter. She's an instructor, a trainer, a competitor, a producer, a model, a cook, and and really uh, one of the top cowgirls in the country. So uh, we'd and just that's love all to at welcome the age you, of 12. I know, right? Yeah. Not quite. She's, uh... <laughs> yeah. So, Riata, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, how are you doing today?
2: Oh, I'm doing good. Thank you guys for having me.
1: So we've been talking a little bit about Christmas, and uh, and Mary was telling us about briar briar horses were one of her past favorite. Favorite gifts. And then I had said that uh, we got William a pony for Christmas and that was one of my favorite past uh, Christmas memories. But what, what would you have as one of your favorite Christmas horse, horse Christmas, either memories or present? What maybe you're hoping for Christmas this year? Oh man, you know,
2: it's funny because I think every Christmas is kind of a horse Christmas because it's not like I had anything else besides ponies and horses and briars. I think my mom still has all my briar horses <laughs> from when I grew growing up. But uh, you know, you know, my dad got me a pony, I remember for Christmas one year when I was little and I, you know, I've had I had her, I still have her. But I think another thing that was really that stood out to me was he actually gave me one of his old saddles when I was little. And even though it was really big for me, then I still have it to this day and I still use it. But, you know, I wasn't ever sure if, you know, once I got a little older, I realized that maybe he just forgot to get me something for Christmas and (laughs) gave me the saddle because it was there. But either way, it still meant a lot to me. And, you know, it's something that I'll have forever. And I still do. And I still love to
1: use it. Yeah, that's awesome. And it fit your pony? Or oh, you well, another- you know,
2: I'd ride it on bigger horses too, yeah. but I, I always had, my parents made sure that I was well stocked in ponies growing up. So I had a lot of different sizes of ponies.
1: <laughs> yeah What, what was the first <laughs> one you got? What was her name? Oh, my first pony's name was Tuffy and she was a hand-me-down from my sister's
2: actually. And then uh, the first pony that I actually had that was my own, like actually my own, was a pony that was given to me by um, Melanie Smith, who was the 1984 Olympic gold medalist in the show jumping. And she gave me the pony and she was only two years old and I was four. And my aunt Mindy actually started her for me and put 30 rides on her and then just handed her over to me. <laughs> and off I went on her and I had her for a long time and I got her in the bridle and I took her on the road with my dad who went to clinics and...
1: Me and that pony covered a lot of miles together. <laughs> That's so cool. So yeah. I saw something you posted a picture of a horse grasshopper and a little girl is oh, riding yeah. him him now. So that like that was a pony that you got to share with someone else what's the story on that Yeah,
2: actually she um she is girl grasshopper is a cult that we raised out of one of my ponies so my I had a little pony named Miss Kitty that kind of was famous in her own right that a lot of people you know I take her places and people knew Miss Kitty and she's a little black pony with four white four white stocking legs and a big white blaze and blue eye and uh, I rode her and I showed her at the Californios actually when I was little and um we bred her to my Patty's Irish whiskey stud that was um, on the cover of America's horse with me earlier this year. And I got grasshopper (laughs) and he actually, he almost died as a baby. He was 12 hours old and he had a impaction and thank goodness for our amazing vets in Sheridan. And they did surgery on him and weren't really set up to do surgery, but they did surgery on him and they saved his life. And so he's kind of a little bit of a survivor and, so this little girl named Kayson came up and saw him in the pasture when he was a weanling and she just fell in love with him. And her mom was there starting a colt and dad's colt starting clinic. And every time we couldn't find Kayson, we climbed her over with grasshopper. And so uh, her mom asked if she could buy grasshopper. And it's pretty much impossible to say no to a you know five-year-old <laughs> little girl that's crying, wanting to buy your pony. So <laughs> so she got grasshopper and she started him actually and she put her first couple rides on him so kind of neat and he's coming too so it'll be cool to see you know the legacy kind of live on with you know all those ponies that I got to grow up riding and
1: you know see their babies raising little kids so it's kind of cool yeah that's awesome and what are your what are your plans for Christmas this year what what's normally the Christmas season look like for you
2: well, I actually just got back from my uh, parents' house in Sheridan for Thanksgiving, and my dad informed me that we have a lot of colds to start, and we have a lot <laughs> of babies to hold their break. So <laughs> we're going to have a very cold, busy winter break, <laughs> but I'm excited. It's really it's neat getting the... Uh, you know, get your hands on cults that we've raised and everything we've been with them since they were born, you know, up until they're two-year-olds. And we've got a bunch of two-year-olds to start and a bunch of weanlings to halter or break. So it should be, should be a pretty fun Christmas. <laughs> and uh, you just got
4: done. You, you spent a lot of time um, actually teaching cults starting uh, college courses in Montana. Is that correct? And uh, you're yeah, moving yeah. on to new things.
2: Yep. Yep. I just actually, I just decided that this is the last year that I'm going to teach and I'm going to finish out the year here and put our sale on just like we do every year. And, you know, it was working for MSU and getting my kind of getting my feet wet in the teaching end of things. This is a perfect opportunity to do it, especially since I was going to school for my business degree at Montana state. So it worked out great. Cause I got to ride all my own horses, teach others, you know, start all my colts, do all that during school. So most, a lot of people, don't have that opportunity while they're going to school to actually be able to have a job at the school so it was a really neat opportunity and I love doing it but you know it just I'm
1: 23 years old and so it's kind of just time to try something else for a little while (laughs) that's very cool are you going to stay around are you are you going to travel a little what because I think at 23 I wanted to travel
2: yeah. You know, I kind of, I want to, I want to go with my dad a little bit. Cause I've never really had that opportunity to get to travel with my dad. When I was little, I'd go during the summers and, you know, take my pony along. But now that I'm actually a little older, I think it'd be, you know, you're never, I, I really have a lot to learn and I want to go with him and get that chance and be able to travel with him on the road and ride my own horses and grow with them and do some marketing with the horses that we're raising and whatnot. And so I think that'd be a really good opportunity for me to just kind of dive back into that end of it a little bit. And then I'd like to move back to Sheridan and potentially start um, an internship program in Sheridan and have people there and come ride with dad, come ride with me, come start horses, start colts, whether it be, you know, here at Montana state, it's a year long program. So you have to be enrolled as a student at MSU, but I'd like to do something kind of similar, but more along the lines of shorter term, not year long. So it'd be, it's a good, I just kind of am in the planning stages of it, but my long-term goal is just to keep doing what I'm doing, <laughs> but just depends on where that's going to be.
1: <laughs> what's that's one of your favorite thing? Oh, sorry. After you, no, <laughs> I was gonna say, what's one of your favorite parts about working alongside your dad?
2: Oh, that he is never, you know, I, he's never afraid to call me out on things that I need to work on. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite part. And I think a lot of people, you know, they think just because I'm teaching that, you know it doesn't mean that I don't have a lot to learn, and you know every year, I mean, my dad's not afraid to get on one of my horses and say, "Oh, you really need to fix this. You need to do this different. You need to f- help me." He, you know he'll he's there to help me, and he's there to educate me just like I'm trying to do to other people, but you know, and I love that because it's never a case where I feel like I have learned enough. you know I can there's always something for me to take from my dad, and he's always willing to tell me what I need to work on, and that's something that you know I will never take for granted.
1: Yeah, that'd be nice to say. Hey, Dad, you're like one of the top horsemen in the world. Can you just hop on this and let me know what you think? <laughs>
2: yeah, I wish. I wish when I asked him to get on one, he would do it. But it's always when you know yeah. when I don't want him to, or when I want to work on something, then he's yeah. like, "Just get off really quick." <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, when you're it.
1: <laughs> when you're really open to suggestion is when it comes, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what were you gonna ask, Mary? Um
4: I actually don't remember. Well, I was just going to say <laughs> I have <an> ADD. <laughs> um I was just going to say I think it's a really terrific idea uh what you're wanting to set up with internships and things like that especially where colts are concerned. Um just my little experience in the performance horse world, I think People don't put enough emphasis on the beginning of it all. They, you know, there's a lot of guys who, once the horse has 30 days, they can take it over, do some pretty cool stuff. But most of what I've seen, some, you know, a, a lot of young guys in my area kind of get on a cult and just, Kind of expect it to already know it, and then punish it for mm-hmm. doing not doing something. It's not it doesn't know in the first place. So I think that's a really terrific idea. Um, what you're doing with the Colts, and I think uh, I'd like to definitely see more of it uh, in the future.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. It's something that I've been I've been thinking about for a long time, and doing it maybe during the summers while I was still going to teach at MSU. But now that I'm done and I've got my degree and everything, it's. You know, I live in town here and I'm not really used to living in town, even though I've lived in town for four years now, living up here five years now, but I'm ready to get back to get back to Sheridan and get back to somewhere where I can kind of cover some country on my horses and go do something and you know, go rope and
1: do the things that I love to do. So what's your favorite loop to throw? Do you have one? Oh man. I well,
2: you know, growing up it was my dad like he really pushed me to really master throwing a backhand. And I, that's, I have to say, that's probably my favorite shot. Just backhand Mm. trap because it's, it's not that difficult of a shot, but it's difficult to throw correctly and
1: make work a lot. So I think that's probably it. Cool. I think it's, I'm like, I'm like Mary, I like that you're doing your internship program and I, I've really enjoyed watching what you did at MSU I think there are several college programs out there but the emphasis that you brought to the start and the and the real purposeful things that you did with the horses were cool so yeah yeah and
2: i love you know it's something that's so cool it's so rewarding getting to see all these kids how much time they put into their horses i mean they're they're putting in 40 hours a week on their colts And they're there at six o'clock in the morning every day. And, you know, it's a full time job to a lot of them and they want to succeed and they're not wanting to succeed because of the credit they get because it's only a two credit elective class. (laughs) They're wanting to do it because they want to do it for themselves and they want to grow and develop as horsemen. So it's it's been really cool to get to see that and get to be a part of it.
4: One thing, um, I had a few friends that went to uh, a very horse central uh, school program back east, and one of the things I was really surprised to learn, I was wondering if you had any experience with it, is uh, uh, this particular college, Finley, actually in Ohio, they have actually mm-hmm. a western Uh, a major, we can major in riding Western horses or riding English horses. And, and it was all about horses and you're riding. uh, That's, that's all what you're studying, but there'd be people who would show up to it who've never been on a horse and they just decided, you know what, I'm going to go to college and ride horses. Did you ever have people who showed up who just never done horses at all before?
2: Yeah. You know, honestly, um, a lot of times the best kids that I've had come through my program (laughs) have been ones that have had little to no experience. Because it is a clean slate and there's no, there's none of the, you know, so and so told me or this is how I've always done it. It's like, well, I don't know, so tell me what to do. <laughs> and that's, you know, it's been really neat getting to be around those kids and, you know, teach them from square one and have them really get confident asking questions and not be embarrassed necessarily that they don't know anything, but just be completely open to knowledge. Having someone, you know, say, this is how you do this and this is why you do this. And then for me as a teacher, getting to grow and develop in my teaching methods and be able to say, okay, do you understand how I'm explaining this? And, you know, if they say no, it's like, okay, well, that's good. Now I can think of another way to explain it. (laughs) So, you know, I've had, I've had everything from art majors to engineering to nursing to, you know, across the board, but for the most part, most of them have had some experience writing and that makes it easy, but we hold tryouts and, you know, I have had kids Join the class that have been in it that have not had any experience on horses and they've been just as well off just because you know we do emphasize safety so much in the class and making sure that the horses are safe and the riders are safe and the people that buy the horses at the end of the year are safe so it's you know i wish that a lot of people would have that start especially in this setting to where someone is there to watch out for them instead of just you know going and buying a horse and think they're gonna do it
0: (laughs) that's why i hire hosts that have no experience like Tara and Mary, because I'm <laughs> them, of terrific hosts they are today. They didn't know that.
1: Uh, they, they, <laughs> I, 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 I feel, feel like that's sort of a backhanded... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, thanks.
4: I'm going to take it as a compliment. That's just
1: what there you go, Glenn. 100%. <laughs> He's insulted every host, every
4: hour, and I thought you guys were
1: going to be immune, but you're not. <laughs> Yeah, so we had a, oh, yeah. you also said that you like to cook. So are you going to help with the holiday meal this December?
2: Oh, yeah, I, I usually do. <laughs> yeah, I no, we just we just had Thanksgiving and I was my sisters and I all cooked, but they definitely put the majority of it on me. <laughs> yeah. okay. so, so what's your favorite but, thing yeah, to
1: no. for Christmas?
2: Oh, well. We're a little bit non-traditional in the fact that, you know, we usually just have steak for dinner <laughs> for, yeah. for Christmas dinner. So, it's not really any different than any other time, but, you know, my dad usually comes up with something that he wants to try and he'll he'll put it put it in front of me and say, "Here, try to make this. This you looks make really it. good."
1: Yeah. Here's a <laughs> so recipe. That's the
2: perfect yep, time exactly. to
1: experiment is around the holidays.
2: Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us Riata and where can folks find well, out more you. about you and follow what you're doing and, and keep up with you?
2: Well, you can follow me on Facebook and, uh, also Instagram. I usually post, post the, my daily doings on Instagram and the horses that I have for sale and where I'm at and where I'm going. So you can follow me on there and my, you can, it's, uh, just Riata, just straight Riata is my name on there.
1: All right. Well, thank you Riata and we'll, uh, look forward to seeing all of your success in the future
2: perfect well thank you guys i appreciate it and happy holidays merry Merry christmas Christmas. i'm very happy to welcome
3: to the show today barbara strawson uh, a gal i've been able to meet through the help of janet over at daily dose equine why don't you start uh barbara by telling us a
5: little bit about who you are and what you do Okay, well, I'm a dressage trainer in the D.C. area, Clarksburg, Maryland, and I've been training for many years now. And uh, I mostly dressage. I, I train, compete, and teach dressage riders and also event riders.
3: They tend to go together, don't they? Any any dressage trainer always has a percentage of of eventing riders too, don't they?
5: I think so. Yes. Yeah. It kind yeah. Of works. So it's it's fun to help them out. Yeah. So. As I said, I got
3: to meet you through Janet over at Daily Dose Equine. So I wanted to ask you, how did you come to know about Daily Dose Equine horse feeds and ration balancers?
5: Well, I actually knew Janet through the community, and uh, she she actually called me and, and told me about her feed. And I thought, yeah, I would be happy to try it. Uh, I had one horse that was a pretty picky eater and I said, well, let's try with him first because if it doesn't work with him, it's not going to work. So, uh, so we started. His name was Amicelli. It was my Grand Prix horse, and we started. I believe it was with the the senior feed, and uh, and he he's fading eating that longer than any feed I'd I'd tried. I tried several different kinds. He'd eat for a little bit and then get sick of that, and you know, so maybe it was also related and. Things like that. But, Makes you think um, of that life we, cereal
3: commercial, doesn't it? Mikey
5: likes it. I, it did. <laughs> exactly. And that's exactly what I said. And <laughs> yeah, he'll eat it. Mikey will eat it. He'll eat anything. So, um, so yeah, that that's how we got started with it. And then once, once we, I don't remember, it was like four or five years ago. So uh, once we started with him and felt sure that that, that he liked it, then then we started putting the other horses on it. so now all the horses at my stable are on it.
3: So once you got started, you you uh, your grand Prix horse was the litmus test. okay, he likes it. Yes. he's doing well on it what what changes did you notice in the herd as you started getting everybody transferred over to the daily dose feeds? Did you notice anything change about the way they looked, the way they behaved? how much you were feeding?
5: Yeah, I mean, several different things. I mean, certainly the, the last thing you just mentioned with the amount, I mean, with, with the daily dose feed, we didn't have to feed as much volume. You know, it's very concentrated. And, you know, there were some horses that were on so much volume of feed to get all the the nutrients and things that they that they needed that it was like, you know, just so much to, you know, give them and get them to eat Mm -hmm. it all. So that actually was a really big change for me. And uh, I just, you know, overall, all the horses just have consistently looked good. They're, they're shiny. They've got dapples. And I just remember one other notable time, one of the horses that uh, was a a very easy keeper. She's on the car buster. Uh, We took her for a, a vet checkup. And I mean, the vets just couldn't say enough how beautiful she looked and how greater weight looked and how, how her coat looked and just, you know, so that was just really clear to me that, that, that part of that, I mean, certainly, it's the whole program, but you know, very important part of the program is the, the feeding. So, um, so that was really, really telling to me. So there you go. <clears throat> yeah.
3: And how many horses do you currently have using the Daily Dose products?
5: Um, I have eight horses, eight horses in my barn. So, That's a lot of horses, you know, girl. I'm going to
3: let you go then and get finished with your <laughs> riding. You're a busy woman. Well, thank you very much, Barbara, for spending a few minutes with us today and telling us about your experiences with Daily Dose Equine, which is available, by the way, nationwide through Chewy. You just Google Daily Dose Equine. You can also buy it direct from Daily Dose Equine, who is in the on the East Coast. Uh, just put in there, DailyDoseEquine.com. Thanks again, Barbara. Okay, so
4: we have Kristen Bentley on the phone. She's one of our auditors in our really cool auditor group who provide us with all these awesome questions. And uh, you have a question about separation anxiety. Is that correct?
0: Yes. Yeah, and it looks like lots of other people maybe have that question too. (laughs) And I get this question all the time.
3: So tell us your problem. Tell us your problem, Kristen. Please tell us. We want to know. We're here to help.
2: I have...
0: I've got three horses. Um, They live all out together. Um, I have two that I ride regularly, so I rotate between those two. Um, Sometimes both of those get you out at the same time. And then I have a third horse who is a pasture potato. Um, And the potato is like the perfect potato. He does not care when people leave him. I've hauled those other two horses away, um, you know, for all day stuff, and I don't even think he looks up. Um, (laughs) He's the perfect pasture companion. Um, But if he is the one that leaves, um, one of those horses in particular gets very, very upset. Um, it's very rare that that horse needs to leave. Um, but I found out the hard way in the fall when I was trying to, um, lay up an injured horse in a small pen. Um, even though the small pen was inside the sacrifice paddock with the other two horses there, he just could not handle it. So I ended up having to lay him up in the bigger paddock and that slowed down the injury, uh, you know, recovery and all that. So I decided over the winter that I was going to work on hopefully being able to train these guys to enjoy a little more time apart from each other um, to set them up for success just in the event, you know, in an emergency that I need to have them separated and happy. So um, so I'll tell you what I did last night is I took out the potato and I put him in a a small pen where he was kind of out of sight from the other guys. Um, I tied one horse in the barn with a snack bag and then the, the one with the most separation anxiety stayed in the sacrifice pen. Um, And I just waited for him to settle down. But I don't know if that is the way to keep doing that going forward because it was kind of a stressful, you know, half hour of him pacing and screaming. And, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to cause more stress with that long term or if that's really how I should be doing that to to build a little more independence.
4: Uh, Well, kudos to you for recognizing that. Maybe we should practice on this. So in case we're in an emergency and we have to separate these horses it's not pandemonium. And I think you've got a, I think you've got a really good idea and a really good start. Um, full disclosure, uh, I have never really had this issue myself. And I think it's because I have so many pasture potatoes that even my <laughs> kookiest horses, <laughs> they always have a potato to lean on in case their favorite potato is gone.
0: I, uh, I want that on a t-shirt. I always ten.
3: have a potato right. to lean
0: on. I want it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if I got another potato, like that—that's the easy solution. I can just get more horses because I didn't have this issue when I had seven, but seven is too many. <laughs> so, and I do realize that three is a weird number. So if I had four, that would make it a little simpler. But that's—that's that's not necessarily the solution I want.
4: <laughs> so an idea that you might consider, and and I will definitely. Uh, uh, um. I don't know where I was going that way. So something you might consider is, so when, like, if you take one horse out to work the horse, um, do you have the same anxiety and separation or is it just when you haul a horse out?
0: Uh, it's really just when I take the potato away from the others. So I'll ride the other two and I can take them out and they stand quietly in the barn to hang out, get groomed and ridden, and I can ride them out alone. Um, I ride alone most of the time and they're, they're out of sight and out of view of the barn. Pretty much the whole time. So there's a little bit of uh, barn sourness, you know, that I fight on the way home. So we just do a lot of side passing and backing and moving their feet and they're ridden. Um, but it's definitely not like to a dangerous point. So if they're the ones, and I say they, it's really the one horse. If he's the one to leave, it's fine. If he's the one that is left, that's not okay 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 hey, let's
3: let's you- simplify let's simplify this because I'm getting confused. So we have potato. what are yeah. the names of the other two horses?
0: Yeah, we could just use their real names. so we <laughs> can
3: use their real names. It's okay. this is a safe zone. <laughs> yeah, they
0: don't they don't they won't listen to the show unfortunately so they won't know we're talking about them. so uh, Skip is our retired quarter horse potato. Um, then we have jobber and shorty. Um, so jobber, if he's left behind is not okay with that. Jobber can go out and work and be great. And he goes, he hauls alone, goes to horse shows alone. He's actually much better at horse shows. Uh, Shorty, he is much better at home. Like I can tie him in the barn and leave him alone. As long as he's got food in front of him, you can tie him and leave him anywhere. At a show, Shorty is much worse. <laughs> so so it's interesting that they kind of flip-flop when they're off the property. Uh, but generally, both Shorty and Jobber can leave the barn and go to work and work happily and then come home and be fine. So it's just like, skip leaves. So one area that that's really a problem, um, in addition to, you know, any kind of stall rest or layup that I have to do, um, in the spring I'll start rotating these guys onto grass pasture, and that's about a 10-minute walk away from the barn. So what I did last year um, as a really lazy equestrian was lead all three at the same time. But I would like to get away from doing that because it's very hard to go through that many gates uh, with three horses in hand. So I would really like to be able to lead them just for safety and for, you know, my own peace of mind long-term, be able to lead them one at a time and leave one in the pasture while one is the transit and not have them screaming and running fence lines.
4: Interesting.
3: Um, did you have any ideas on this one while my brain is percolating on it? <laughs> that Well, to build on what you did the first time, so the f- what you did yesterday is you, you left potato potato
0: Yep. Potato stayed in the Uh, pasture. Jobber stayed at home. Yep. Skip went out and Skip got put in a catch pen on the other side of the beef barn between them. So he couldn't really, I think from certain angles, Jobber could kind of catch a glimpse of him. Okay. So, and then Shorty went to the barn with a hay net. Okay. So,
3: Jobber was the one that was upset. Yes. Okay. So, building on that, can you take Jobber, leave him in the same field with Potato, get rid of Skipper? Let's skip go or Shorty. Let's let Shorty go elsewhere, so he's out of the pick, out of the out of the uh, equation. And can you safely tie Jobber inside the field with Potato?
0: I thought of that. I don't know that I have a good place. Like I like to tie them at wither height or above, Um, and I don't really have a good spot that I feel is very safe to tie him where he's not going to end up tied you know, below the window. Yeah. Like I have a fence.
3: Right. Um, can you, off, can you, um, what I'm thinking of is separate jobber from potato, but only by a few feet. So he, they're, they're in separate areas, but they're literally a few feet apart. And mm-hmm. I, cause thinking about this, I'm wondering if moving jobber away is absolutely the right way to go but to make it in much smaller increments.
0: Yeah, little baby steps. Teensy, it
3: weensy baby steps. And the reason I think of this is because our new greyhound, Pickles, Pickles. everything was going swimmingly until it wasn't. And I had to take Here. a little step back and go, you know, I wasn't recognizing the fact that she was getting more and more stressed about things until she went over the edge. Obviously she was yeah. giving me signals that she was stressed and I didn't uh, recognize them. So let's back up and back up and back and back and back up. And back up. Um, so try to f- move him, move him away and separate him in tiny enough pieces that you can recognize the tiniest little bit of stress and let him get comfortable with that tiny little bit. Kind of like what you were talking about earlier in the show, uh, Mary with the, um, with the ground, tying t- rec- mm-hmm. tiny little bits, tiny little bits. Take one more step, one more step, one more step, and keep it at five steps until five steps are super, super easy. But you have to work within the facility and what you've got available. So,
0: yeah, that's the challenging part for sure. Is yeah, carving out the, yeah. the
3: room to make. Do, do they also eat alone? Like when that's they so when they get their grain, do they eat alone?
0: Yep, because Skip lives on air. Um, mm. <laughs> he's the typical quarter horse airplane so um, yeah the thoroughbreds come in um, and eat separately I mean they're both in the barn together mm-hmm. um, but again you know like the daily coming in to get groomed and saddled and ridden is not the issue it's really just skip going somewhere else so yeah. so what I'm gathering is that you know that, like it's going to be stressful there's no way around that but we're trying to just mitigate the stress and putting it into manageable little chunks yeah. rather than
3: how about so you, Mary? Ripping off
0: the Band-Aid and taking Skip away.
3: Yeah. How about you, Mary? Exactly. Where
0: you
4: yeah. So, so both like with the with the stationary thing I was talking about earlier and the deworming. Um, whenever you're building new behavior, you're building duration and their ability to endure something longer. Um, if it's, you know, going to heck in a handbasket, the 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 thing you always want to do is, if, if you can, is break it down more, 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 more. So, if I know my horse won't tolerate something for several minutes, can he tolerate it for a few seconds? And that seems like you're trying to climb Everest when you're starting out. But all you got to do is, I'm going to tack on another second, tack on another second, tack on another second. And they eventually build the emotional maturity to um to be able to endure that and be okay and um like with using approach and retreat on the dewormer I was talking about earlier there is um there, if you think about a horse's kind of emotions um and their uh, their state of being if you think about it like a pyramid at the very apex of that pyramid is when the horse is in fight flight complete panic mode that's the horse trying to survive so he thinks he's going to die He's going to do whatever it takes to live. He cannot learn in that area. So that's the horse who's trying to run off, run backwards, break, you know, break the cross ties to get away. Um, screaming, you know, the, that the horse can't learn. He's just trying to survive. At the very bottom of the pyramid is the horse incomplete. He doesn't feel threatened in any way. He's grazing. He's with his friends. Everything's wonderful, low energy. Um, that's a great course for the, that's a great place for the horse to live too, but not a lot of learning. Uh, You could get a lot of training done there, but where they're really going to learn and progress the most is that middle zone. So this is where the horse is like, something's going on. I'm not sure about this, but he's not jumped the, the, the border into that freaking out, he's going to hurt himself or someone else. We never want to have them there. And that seems like that's where your guy's going when, you know, you take the potato away and he's just like panic. Well, now all you can do is just hope he doesn't run into a fence or hurt himself or something like that. So, we need to get him into that kind of middle area somehow, either by, you know, leading the other horses away for moments, increments, um, and, and have him kind of live in that area and, and learn it's going to be okay. And then when you feel him kind of accept it and okay, I'm fine. Then you can release all the pressure and give him a break and bring the other horse back and then try again. Um, so, I'm thinking about how I would deal with this um, if I was uh, if I had this situation going on myself, and um, I know that what your uh, you know your property it can be limiting in what you're able to do, um, but how I would imagine working on it would be to make sure every horse's behavior to stand tied is on point and they can stand tied for long periods of time. I think that's really good for any horse, no matter what you're mm-hmm. doing. And I would kind of make it a habit to bring, like if you're working them all, I'm going to bring all the horses up and they're going to stand tied or they're going to stand in the stall while I met, you know, while I mess with the other horse. And that just be kind of, kind of becomes a habit. We're go- we're all going to go here. You're going to stand in the stall or you're going to stand tied I'm going to work this horse, put that horse back, you know, tie that horse up or put him in a stall, get that next horse out and just kind of make that a habit. And you can practice that with leading horses away. Obviously with tying horses up, um, you want to make sure that behavior is really good and you don't just like take the other horse completely away cold turkey. But I think that can help put the horse in a frame of mind of, Okay, this is the time when we're working on patience and everything's quiet and it just seems to kind of control the situation a lot better. I think you're on the right track. I I understand what you're saying about, is this just going to stress these horses out to the nines trying to practice this? (laughs) And I don't think so. I think you're, I think you're wise enough to see when things have kind of gone over the edge and it's a little too much. The key is you want that horse, you you want that horse to kind of deal with discomfort a little bit without completely panicking. And you want him to deal with that in small increments before giving him that relief, which is, Hey, you mm-hmm. did that for a few minutes. That's great. Let's, you know, Let's stop the trading for a bit. Let's take a break or let's work on it tomorrow. And that's the way you can start changing that behavior in the horse. The other thing that you might consider, because I'm a huge enabler, is um, uh, if, if you have room for one more, <laughs> is to, you know, some <laughs> sort of companion animal like a donkey can help quite a bit. Um, a yeah, I think
0: I lovely. will founder a donkey immediately because our hip <laughs> pasture in the summer is very, um, very But um, I had it all worked out in my head, you know, if I had two riding horses and then got a draft team, then I never had more than two horses out at a time. So that's the eventual goal, but I've already got my hay in for this winter, so I'm on a (laughs) pre budget. (laughs) But yeah, eventually, you know, ideally if everyone had two horses on the draft team, nobody would ever have this problem because you always have a minimum of two horses back in the corral. But but yeah, no, thanks. That's very, very helpful. So I just, uh, yeah, I think I am, approaching it the right way i just got to chunk it down into some safer baby steps i was exactly. i had to just sit there and basically watch you know and wait and there was a little bit of trotting the fence line and calling and after about half an hour that settled down and then in total after two hours you know of other farm chores and stuff he was standing alone. i moved him into the barn at one point and he stood alone in the barn and was eating and had settled down, but, you know, thinking, I don't know if I have that much time to devote to this activity. Yeah, <laughs> this is such a patience so, yeah, game.
3: Smaller. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, bless you for yeah, taking no, it on. I breaking, yeah.
0: I got to bring a book with me to the barn and just sit and wait it out. But, now I think breaking it down into some smaller baby chunk is the right way to do it for sure. So thank you guys very much. Well, thank you. Good, good. We'll give you guys a report by the end of the winter. Yeah, give us videos. a
3: report. Put it, pa- post videos of them standing still.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll do. Yeah, that'll be the day. I'll just, I'll send you a photo and tell you it's a video. There we so go. <laughs> I think so. Awesome. Good luck.
3: <laughs> Thanks a lot.
0: Thanks. Have a good rest of your morning.
3: Cool. Yeah, that's shuts a patience game. We have one here that lives at the farm that is, um, buddy sour, and bless her heart. The gal who owns the horse, she takes the tiniest, itsy-bitsiest little steps. I mean, just to catch the, the quiet horse and with a lead rope, walk him around the paddock without ever doing anything with the, with the worried horse. When she started out, that would send the worried horse into an absolute meltdown. Just the other horse being caught and walked around. Um, and now she's gotten him to the point that pretty consistently she can take the quiet guy and he can leave the paddock and go to the barn, which is adjacent to the paddock and get groomed where he's p- usually out of sight. But the horse knows he's in the barn and panicky horse will only panic for you know a minute or three and then he settles back down. But it's probably been a year of really consistent work to get to that point it's a it's a long game
4: wow and and, you know when when it comes to things like this which it's easy to think well this has nothing to do with the writing I'm doing and you know it can feel like a monumental waste of time but you know symptoms like this of the severe anxiety separation anxiety and stuff it is going to show up in the rest of what you do with your horse. So if you have to take the time to work on this every day, don't feel like you're wasting any time. It will make your horse better all the way around. Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah. You know, building that kind of maturity in them and uh, that, uh, you know, that ability to endure things that they don't always find perfectly comfortable. it, It helps you out in other areas and it's definitely worth working on. And I commend anyone who's taking on that
1: challenge.
3: Yeah, it, it does. It, It has a, they have a fancy name for it, but it it does have a global effect on the the horse when he develops that mindset and that emotional maturity that you talked about. It does spill over into other areas of their life in small ways at first. And then you'll see that keep building and building and building. So yay team. What a great question. Yes. Challenging. Good question. Challenging. Good questions. And speaking of challenges, It can be a real challenge to find a good quality saddle pad that helps your saddle not just fit, but fit better. So the folks over at Total Saddle Fit have come up with one. And after years of refinement, it's the Perfect Saddle Pad. What a clever name. It is designed with everything you would expect from a top-of-the-line 100% wool saddle pad, but with a plethora of performance and comfort features that you're not going to find anywhere else. The Perfect Saddle Pad comes with Wither Freedom, which is a cutback design over the withers that completely removes any downward pressure on the horse's sensitive withers. It also allows for more clearance and less bulk under the front of the saddle. The Wither Freedom is paired with ventilated top line with inch and a half openings channeled over the top line, and it eliminates pressure there as well. And because it's Total Saddle Fit, free shipping everything everywhere. That's right. So go to Total Saddle Fit. Dot .com and you just click on the perfect saddle pad made for western saddles and it comes in different designs for different styles of saddles so whether you ride pleasure ride on the ranch or do barrel racing they've got something that's going to fit for you so go to tattles, totalsaddlefit.com and check it out today woohoo And I think hey, yeah awesome. I think that's going to be about wrapping it up for today so For folks who want to find about find out more about what you do with horses as well as artwork, where's the best place to find you online, Mary? You
4: can find me across social media uh, at uh, Mary Kitsmiller Horsemanship on Facebook, and it's the same for Instagram. And uh, for jewelry and stuff, the company is Troublemaker Trading Company, also on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff on the website. I'm getting ready to put a lot of ready-to-ship stuff. So if you are doing last-minute Christmas shopping, uh, you can find us there. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it.
3: That's pretty much it. Well, thank you again for listening. Again, Mary is here the second Thursday of every month. We geek out on all things horse training. All of Mary's episodes are easy to find. You just go to horsesinthemorning.com. And right there in the center of the page, you're going to see all the different logos from our monthly shows. And Mary Kitzmiller is right there. She's got years and years and years of Q&A and interesting interviews there. On And there's bound to be something that's going to apply to your horsey life. And many thanks to our sponsor today. Our title sponsor is Horseware. Head on over to horseware.com and look for the 12 days of the holidays. And if it's not the holidays when you're listening to this, if you're listening to this episode in 2022, head on over to horseware.com and see what kind of cool stuff they've got for you and your horse. And that's going to be about a wrap for today. So we will be back again tomorrow with more fun and games on horses in the morning.